Hey there, welcome to Creative Faith. This is a podcast about creativity and faith, and I'm your host, Joe Reimer. This is our first episode, and I wanted to create this podcast because there's this restlessness inside of me as an artist and photographer and you know even as a human being of why am I doing this? What is my purpose? I create paintings and I you know I take pictures and they're great, but what is the point? Why am I doing this? How do I reconcile my creativity with my faith? And so that's what I want this podcast to be about. And even if you're not a person of faith, there's this question inside of us that needs to be answered, and that's what legacy are we leaving behind? You know, how are we contributing to this world in a positive meaningful way that helps people, specifically with our art and and with our creativity. So in this first episode, I thought we would just get into my story and a little bit about who I am, where I come from, uh, my background in art, and a little bit of my background with my faith. So first of all, grew up in a very loving Christian home, very conservative evangelical home. And so a big part of my faith journey has been, you know, dealing with all that comes with conservative evangelical Christianity and what do I let go of? What do I keep? All of that kind of stuff. And so I won't get too much into, you know, kind of that faith stuff in this episode, uh, but just to give you a little bit of background where I come from. Artistically, I... I mean, as far back as I can remember, I've been drawing and painting and creating. As a kid, I remember sitting in church or sitting in school, and even though I could pay pay attention to the sermons or the lessons, I was drawing all the time. I was doodling. In fact, I was probably distracting the people around me because they were looking at what I was drawing. So creativity and art has always been a big part of my life. So fast forward to high school. I went to a small conservative Christian high school, uh, at least for grade 12, and we didn't really have an art program. So the way that I got my grade 12 art credits is that I would go to the old art teacher's house and she would give me assignments and market and it actually worked out really great. Um, I actually loved uh, getting my art credits that way. But I was contemplating a couple different things for what am I going to do for the rest of my life as, as we all do when we're at that age. Um, so there was a few different things. One is I, you know, I knew I wanted to be creative and work in a creative field. So probably the first thing I considered even earlier in high school was I should go into graphic design, right? That's a practical way that I can use my art and creativity. But I hadn't really made up my mind yet. And one day I was showing my art portfolio to one of the principals at our school. And he was taking a look and he said, oh man, wow, this is fantastic. You know, because we don't have an art teacher... Have you ever thought about going to university to get your teaching degree and you could come back and and be the art teacher? And, you know, I politely was like, oh, yeah, you know, something I'll think about. But in my head, I was like, absolutely not. That is that is definitely not the type of career that I want to go into. I do not want to stand up in front of kids and teach all day and have high energy and all that kind of stuff. So immediately, immediately dismissed it. The other consideration for me was engineering. I was actually really, really good at math and science and really enjoyed it. And I had a couple friends who were going into it. So I thought, hey, you know what? 
I can go into engineering, I can design really cool things and use my creativity and, and hey, guess what? Engineers make a lot more money than graphic designers, so let's go where the money is. I like money, let's, let's do that. So went into university and my first year actually went really, really well. I got really good grades, I was accepted into an advanced program and things were great. But something happened in the second year and things completely fell apart. My grades dropped. I wasn't happy. We had a guy come in and talk to us about engineering and designing and and his job sounded horrible. And I, it, it wasn't that he did a bad job of presenting it. He was really real and honest about what all his job entailed. And hearing that was exactly what I needed to hear. Because I was in engineering for all the wrong reasons. I had gone in because, you know, I thought, I'll make a good living and it'll pay more than being a graphic designer. And I'm not saying that making a good living is bad. I just think that my motivation was wrong. So anyway, knew that that was not what I wanted to do. Um, But it really left me thinking, well, then what? If not engineering, what am I going to do? So thinking back to high school... It's really interesting that I never actually prayed and asked God what I should go into. Should I go into graphic design? Should I go into engineering or something completely different? And I mean, for a lot of people, yeah, that's that that is that's a weird thing to do is to ask some being, you know, what do you, it's like a magic eight ball. Like, should I go into graphic design and then shake the magic God eight ball and see what the answer is? Like, that's bizarre. But growing up in a conservative Christian home, I mean, these are the things that we were told that we should do, but I didn't do it. And so I'll get more into kind of my faith journey and, you know, praying and listening to God and does he speak to us, all that kind of stuff, hopefully in a, in a later episode. But based on what I had been taught growing up, it's just interesting that I never actually did that in high school. So in university, when I got to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm done with engineering, it was the first time I had actually sat down and said, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And it was completely out of frustration. I had thought about other solutions and I was at the end of my rope and I said, okay, what, what do you want? And immediately, audibly, I heard teaching. And that was the first time I had ever experienced anything like that. And so I know that a lot of people are skeptical of that. And I know that we should be skeptical. Uh, There's a lot of people who have said, oh, God told me to do this or say this. And then they've done or said horrible, horrible things that are clearly not from God. So we need to be able to look at those types of things and be critical at times. But based on my experience, I am so confident that God clearly told me that I should go into teaching. And the reason that I am so confident is because teaching is not what I wanted to do, right? My personality didn't align with it. It's not what I ever desired or thought that I should ever go into. So that's probably a pretty good indication that it was from God. So from that, I had the confidence that, look, I know engineering is not for me. And I've clearly heard that God wants me to go into teaching. And so I transferred over into education. 
Fortunately, coming out of engineering, I was able to transfer over a lot of my credits. So maths and sciences uh, easily transferred over and I have a math major and physical sciences minor. So set out to become a math and science teacher, but at the same time, always in the back of my mind thinking like, well, I'm creative, I'm artistic. I want to do something with the arts. So I did take a university art course and got uh, out of it whatever I, I could. But I don't have any formal art teacher training. Fortunately, uh, and I, I'm here in Canada, so you know things are a little different. And even in different provinces, there's different rules and regulations. Uh, in my province, we are able to teach whatever. As long as you have an education degree, a teaching degree, you can teach whatever. So even though I have a math major, theoretically, I could teach French if I had enough experience and could actually fluently speak it, which I can't. So I got my first teaching job, teaching math, high school math, and I actually really enjoyed it. I like teaching math, um, even though I don't teach it anymore. If I had to teach math, I'd, I'd actually be perfectly, uh, I don't want to say happy, but I would be fine teaching math. Uh, I was teaching at a, a, a local high school, one that I did not go to. It was just a temporary position. And so in the second year or before the second year of uh, my teaching, when my contract was up, I had to look for another job. And so the, the high school that I graduated from, that same conservative Christian school, they still didn't have an art teacher after all those years. And so I approached them and say, said, hey, I have my teaching degree. I... You know, I'm an artist and I would love to, if you guys want, start up the art program. And so that's how that uh, happened. And here I am over 10 years later and I'm still the art teacher at the same school. And I'll get a little bit more into that later because that's part of my restlessness. And, you know, once, once you've been in a, a job, the same job for that long... I think it's just natural that you start contemplating, okay, what's next? But anyway, in, uh, in you know, my first few years of teaching was focusing on teaching. So I was teaching some math, some science and art and eventually got to the point where I'm just teaching art and technology stuff, which, which is great. And photography, which is a huge, huge passion of mine. But early on in my teaching career, I decided, hey, look, I, you know what? I don't want to get to the end of my life and not have contributed something to this world artistically. And so I got back into painting because I hadn't done much painting over the, the couple of years of university and into my first year or two of teaching. So explored all sorts of different genres of painting. Landscapes were the things you know that I, I started out painting as a kid watching Bob Ross. My dad had a paint set from Bob Ross. And so that's how I learned how to paint was Bob Ross. Um, so naturally, you know, did some more of that. I enjoyed abstract. So I really just tried to get, you know, tried to do as much as I could to see what do I really enjoy doing. And eventually I kind of stumbled upon doing abstracted portraits. And so that's what I kind of became known for, for a few years, I'd say four or five years, maybe longer. Um, locally, anyway, that's what I became kind of, I guess, 
famous for. I don't want to say famous because I wasn't really famous, but that's what people knew me for. And even online, you know, people all over the world seeing my stuff and selling paintings all over the place. And so that was great. I, you know, I was creating these really cool, creative, artistic portraits that were abstracted. But eventually I just felt like, what is the point? Um, Yeah, they're creative. Yeah, they're interesting. Yeah, I like them. I'm not sure that I love doing them. I didn't mind doing them. But it just felt like, what's the point? What what am I saying with these abstracted portraits? They were pretty much all female faces, aside from a few. And, and people would ask me, and this is one of those weird things in the conservative Christian world, but, um, you know, why do you only paint female faces? And I even had, um, and I, I did some more full figure ones, no nudes, but, you know, maybe some that were the, the poses were a little... I guess, especially if you're conservative, uh, you would call them a little seductive, but nothing, nothing ridiculous. So, and I shouldn't even say ridiculous, but nothing like overly, nothing explicit or anything like that. But I was at one show and uh, a family that I knew, uh, um, parents of, of actually a, a guy that I graduated with, they saw my work and they were like, oh, oh that's, that's nice. Um, so is the school okay with you? painting that stuff? I was like, what do you mean? Like, you know what? I mean, I'm not painting nudes, even if I was. I mean, it's it's not grounds for dismissal, even, you know, if the Christian school was not okay with me painting that stuff, frankly, there wasn't much that they could do. But anyway, it was just, it was a weird question to get. Like, you know, are they okay with you painting that kind of stuff? And, and so that, I guess that kind of started my frustration with the conservative evangelical Christian world where it's like, what, like, why are you guys so uptight about stuff like this? Anyway, it's, it still did, you know, a number of years later started getting me wondering like, but but yeah, like what is the point? And I'm not talking about like, you know, is it inappropriate? I'm talking about like, what is the purpose in me painting these things? People really like them and they connect with them, but I don't know that I really connect with them other than they're an interesting face and it's artistic, but what am I, what am I doing? So I very much felt like I was back in university with, you know, engineering and it's like, what am I, like, why am I doing this? It became that way with my art as well. And a lot of it was because I was really pursuing selling my artwork and I was selling paintings for thousands of dollars and prices kept going up and up and up and it was great. And, you know, it was this extra income for me, but I really became consumed with it. Again, just like in university, I went into engineering so that I could um, have a decent paying career and was focusing on the money. And I, I truly believe that that's why God led me out of it. And I truly believe that why I was struggling so much with my art is because I was focusing on the money and selling and and eventually when the economy started to dip and I wasn't selling as much, I was not as happy with my artwork. And so I realized that my satisfaction in my own artwork was directly tied to how much I was selling or wasn't selling. And that's not a healthy thing to do. So in that time period, I guess, uh, let's say about a five year time period, I also got into 
making prints. It was a natural progression, a lot, you know, especially as my the prices of my originals went up, people could not afford them. A lot of people couldn't, you know, especially younger college-age students who, you know, didn't have full-time jobs and were paying off student loans. Of course they couldn't afford a $5,000 painting. So I got into prints and, you know, at first started seeking out other, um, you know, professionals to make prints and stuff. But then I realized, like, I can do this. And that's part of my personality, too, is I'm, I'm very good at figuring things out and doing it for myself. I'm very, very much a self-learner or at least finding the resources to teach me. And actually, that's that's one of my struggles as a teacher is because I learn on my own. It's it's sometimes very, very difficult for me to teach students and not get that they can't all do that. Uh, anyway, so bought a, a good DSLR camera so that I could take you know fairly high resolution photos of my paintings and then make prints out of them. And that really led to the fact that, um, you know, even as a kid, there was something about photography that I really liked. My dad had a film camera, and so I would take it out every now and then. And I, I, I did really like photography. And so now I have a decent camera. So, hey, well, I mean, I've got it. I might as well, you know, I don't just have to use it for prints. Why not also use it to actually take good photos? So I would, you know, drive out into the country and take landscape photos, and we go to the mountains and... And that really was the starting point for me in just falling in love with photography. So gradually over the years, my love for photography was on the rise and my love for painting was on the decline to the point where now um, I, I honestly almost have no desire to pick up a paintbrush. I, I do every, you know, every month or two, I kind of get that desire and then I get frustrated and I realize like, I just, I've lost my passion for it, but I've taken so many photos and it really does mirror my journey with painting in that at the very beginning when, you know, when I started teaching and started painting again uh, and taking it seriously, I tried everything. And so with photography, again, I tried everything I've done obviously landscapes are probably the easiest thing to get into and you know macro and just what kinds of interesting things around here can I take photos of but then I got into portrait photography and so I you know I did a lot of family photos um, even did a wedding which I will never do again I good money the photos turned out great Um, and that's the thing, like, I know I'm a really good photographer and I know I can do it, but the stress and it's just, again, my personality is not made for, you know, let me, uh, you know, have high energy and, and talk you up into a good, uh, pose and move you around and interact. And, um, if if anybody out there is familiar with the Enneagram test and personality test, uh, I'm a number five. And so a number five is very much, I need my personal space. Uh, you know, if I'm comfortable and if I am around friends, man, I, you know, I am very, very outgoing, but especially when I'm not around people I'm comfortable with, I shut down very, very quickly. So anyway, wedding photography, not for me. Family photography was okay. Um, but man, working with kids was hard. Uh, trying to get, you know, if it was a family that had two or three kids trying to get everybody to look at the camera at the same time. 
was so, so hard. And so very stressful. Again, the money was good, but I realized at, at that point, I'm starting to realize like, hey, I cannot be driven by money. I'd learn, I, I think I had learned my lesson from art and from engineering. And so with photography, I've treated it very, very differently where it's like, no, I'm, I'm not going to be driven by money because I've already learned that that does not work. And every now and then I kind of dip my toe back in and contemplate other ways that I can make money out of my photography. And I'm not saying no to money. It's just that I don't want that to be the driving force. But in, so in that, the, the one area, I guess there's a couple areas of photography that I've really, really enjoyed. Obviously landscape, nature photography. The thing I love about that is just getting out into nature finding this moment in time that most other people and sometimes nobody else is experiencing that moment. Um, if you go to a really famous landscape spot during the sunrise, yeah, there's going to be, you know, a number of photographers there, but sometimes you're all alone and it's like, wow, like I'm the only one here capturing this moment. And then, so to be able to share that moment with people is very, very fulfilling. So nature, landscape photography, I think I, I can't imagine myself not doing that type of photography. It's just, I feel like that's a way that I connect with nature and connect with God and the universe. And so that, that to me is a very precious thing. Um, but also very, very difficult to make a career at. I mean, there, of course, there's lots of photographers who have, but I, you know what, I, I've, I've really come to not like the business aspect of the arts and trying to make a business out of it. So selling prints and, you know, frame, framing things and all that kind of stuff and having a gallery, I, I just don't think that's for me. Um, but the, the other types of photography that I really got into are more of the photojournalistic street photography, humanitarian photography. I love being a fly on the wall. I love, and again, that's my personality type. I love capturing these moments where people don't even know I'm taking the picture. And so I've been on a number of different trips with my church, with humanitarian organizations to do photography for them. And I just, yeah, there's something about seeing these really unique cultures and photographing the people and a, knowing that, you know, these photos can be used for something useful, something meaningful to bring about change, to help people. That's really, really important to me. And I'll talk more about that later, um, probably in a, in a later episode. But also, again, just to share that with people where it's like, this is real life. This is happening right now. I hate and, and, and you know, doing the family photography and the wedding photography. I've learned I hate, hate, hate posed photography. I don't, I don't necessarily care if the people notice that I'm taking their photo. Like that's, that's okay. I don't like it cause I, I want my photos to be more natural, but I hate posing people and setting up lighting and making this fake moment that didn't actually happen without me. Um, so I am very, very much passionate about capturing real moments. And so those trips for me have been really, really valuable. And you know, if I didn't have a family, I have a wife and a son and I love them so, so much. They're, um, the, 
best thing in my life. And that's part of why, that's a big, big part of why I'm still a teacher is because teaching is secure. It pays well, has good benefits, all that stuff. But if it weren't for that, I have no doubt that I would be pursuing some sort of humanitarian photography. I love National Geographic and someday, you know, if, if I could be shooting for them, be incredible. Still, I would not give up my family for that. Obviously, my family is way, way too important for me uh, to give them up for, for you know, a, a passion and dream like that. And, and who knows, someday down the road, that, that could be a reality. So anyway, that type of photography I've fallen in love with. The other type recently is street photography. And I, I want to do a whole episode on, on these specific genres, so I'll just touch on it briefly. But very similar to the humanitarian stuff where it's like I'm capturing these real moments where they don't even know I'm taking their picture. It's, it's the same, right? It's, it's just local. And I might not be telling the story of, you know, something that's happening in the world that, you know, a problem that needs to be solved. But it's still, it's telling a story of, this is what's happening in my city. These are real people who have real stories. And even though this photo isn't telling all their story, it's just a glimpse. And I think that's valuable. So that's where I am right now artistically. But at the same time, there's this restlessness inside of me. And it comes from a couple of different things. One is that, again, the teaching is not my personality. And I've been doing it now for, I think I'm going into 12 years now. I mean, after, I mean, even after five years, you start losing track. But definitely after 10 years, it's like, oh, man, what what year am I in now? Um, So teaching the same thing for such a long time, and especially in a career that does not really lend itself to a personality like mine. And I do, here's the thing. I connect really well with the students. I love hanging out with them. And I know that I've inspired a lot of them through my own artwork. And, and I think for a lot of them to, who maybe have a personality similar to mine, to have a teacher that has that type of personality, they can connect with that because they feel like, okay, I'm not, you know, I'm not totally out there. I, there's somebody who is a teacher who has the same type of personality, but at the same time, I don't feel like this is what I was made for. I truly feel like I was made to be creative and to make a difference in this world with my creativity. And absolutely a big part of that is my faith. And I want to talk more about my faith and and the things I've wrestled with growing up in a conservative evangelical home and think, you know, coming through that and where I am now. But, um, But still, so, I mean, a big part of it is using my creativity for God. And at the same time, it's kind of a weird thing to say. I'm using it for God. Well, how do I use it for God? I'm not taking, you know, I'm not taking pictures for God to see. Um, But I think it very much comes from, you know, the scripture where what we do for the least of these, we do for him, for Christ. So that's how I see my creativity is if I can use my creativity for the least of these, for people who need it to tell these stories or just in some way alleviate the suffering that's in this world through my creativity, I'm using it for God because he said, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. 
So that's what I'm struggling with though, because it's, I don't want it to be fake either, right? I don't want to, I think the worst thing that we can do sometimes is, is make up these situations and and make more out of it than there really is. You know, if I go downtown and just take pictures of homeless people and post these pictures online, I, what am, why, why am I doing that? Am I, am I doing that because I genuinely care about those homeless people? Well, if that was true, I wouldn't take pictures of them. I would actually go there and talk to them and feed them and help them directly. They don't need my photographs. So I would probably at that point just be taking photographs of homeless people because I would get more attention you know, and people would think like, oh, what a great photo of a homeless person, which sounds terrible, but that, that that's really what it would be. So I am struggling with how do I use my creativity in an authentic, genuine, helpful, meaningful way? And A, how do I do that? And B, is that something that I can do full time? Is there a way that I can do that? And it's not even just about making money. Of course, we all need to pay bills, right? And and that's, I've been so blessed with my teaching job and it's provided so much for me and my family, a lot of security, and that's great. But I think about all the time that I spent in my teaching job and I can't help but wonder, could that time be spent better? And maybe it can just be spent better in my teaching job. Maybe I just need to be a better teacher. But I just can't help but feel if I got to the end of my teaching career, you know, in 25 years, 30 years, whatever, the majority of my time was spent in the classroom. That'd be a tough pill to swallow. And maybe that is where God wants me, but I just... deep inside my soul, I do not feel like that's what I was meant to do for the rest of my life. So that's where I'm at um, artistically a little bit and, and a little bit of my faith journey. I haven't shared much about that, but that's what I'm struggling with. And that's why I started this podcast because again, if at the very least, all that it does is it just helps me to verbalize these things and sort them out. Great. You know, if I can come to some sort of realization or understanding just by speaking the words, fantastic. But I hope that it's more than that. And I hope that maybe even this podcast is part of me doing something creative and useful and meaningful. So I I very much would love for this to be a collaborative thing. I'd love to speak to other artists other creative people, people who are struggling with this, people who have started to figure out or have figured it out. I don't know if we ever completely figured it out. So here it is. This is my kick at the can uh, with this whole podcast thing. I hope to do more and I hope you guys get some value out of it. And if you have any suggestions, please feel free to send me messages. Um, I'm going to put this on iTunes. So please give me a, uh, a follow and rate me on iTunes. And that would help out a lot. And uh, I haven't exactly decided what I'm doing for, you know, for email and things like that. But 
if this does seem like something that people want to do, I will certainly um, make an email address available to you guys to ask questions and maybe give suggestions on things that we can discuss on the show. So uh, yeah, thanks for listening and hopefully we do more. Again, this is Creative Faith and this is your host, Joe Reimer. Thanks for listening. 